Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Absurd Curiosity Podcast, the only podcast where you can find uh, three qualified, unqualified individuals talking about things we may or may not have a clue about. I'm your host among hosts, Cole Adam Davis. I am a pre-med student who is going to be graduating in December, hopefully specializing in some sort of personalized medicine working with AI in the future. I'm joined by the always beautiful Stephen Pallotta. Everyone, how's it going? I'm Stephen Pallotta. I am the club manager for Test Owners Club New York State. Steve, uh, Stephen? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut that out. Uh, Scotty? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm Scotty Smith. Uh, I'm pursuing a career in medicine and health education. Joining us is Mark Hanchett. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about about you, Mark, and what you do? Yeah, so uh, Mark Hanchett, uh, CEO and founder of Atlas Motor Vehicles, a uh, electric vehicle startup uh, and technology company uh, focused on building technology and vehicle solutions for what I would call uh, medium to heavy duty work vehicles. Okay. Uh, particularly in the pickup truck industry. One thing that we saw, you know, right after that, you guys have started a regulation, a crowdfunding campaign. We're very excited to hear about that from you. Uh, what is yep. a regulation, a crowdfunding campaign and like, can you just like explain to you why you're doing it, um, how this benefits mm -hmm. Atlas, how it benefits the people that are supposed to, you know, uh, fund Atlas? Uh, regulation A crowdfunding uh, is uh, basically, you're, you're familiar with crowdfunding, which is traditional crowdfunding is kind of like pre-orders, Kickstarter campaigns, and things like that. Yes, sir. There's, uh, since 2016, though, uh, the SEC has approved basically what is called uh, uh, equity crowdfunding uh, opportunities. So there's a regulation CF equity crowdfunding opportunity, and then there's uh, a regulation A, and there's two types, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically what this is, is it's an opportunity for a company to raise substantial amounts of money, uh, not necessarily from traditional investors, but from potential customers, uh, average everyday people that are very interested in getting in on kind of the ground floor mm -hmm. of a startup or a company that is building something very interesting and something that they find innovative. Uh, think of it as instead of getting one or two or three angel investors, but pulling in thousands of angel investors and okay. you are buying uh, stock within the company. It's not a pre-order for a product that you're literally investing in the company and you become an owner of that company. Okay. Yeah. yeah so definitely more of a community based type thing. Yes. Sir. Right. Now, yeah. what do you, what does Atlas plan to do with all the money that you guys are crowdfunding for? So uh, right now, our focus with the $25 million that we're raising today is to, first of all, grow the team. Uh, so we're a team of roughly 35 today, 36 today. Uh, we are focused on growing that team up to a little over 160 over the next nine months. Oh, wow. Uh, so we've got a lot of hiring that's going to happen. Uh, the second thing that we're very much so focused on is uh, we grow a team. We have a a small, low-volume sort of warehouse space production facility that we're looking to build out. Now, COVID has sort of uh, shifted our strategy a little bit there in terms of we have a lot more remote work going on, but that also means we get to do a lot more in that space that we had originally purchased before. So today we have 40,000 square feet. We're going to grow that to 80,000 square feet uh, and working on building out that facility there. And of course, uh, completion of taking some of the technology we're developing from 
proof of concept, prototype, right, and test uh, to commercialization. It's interesting to you, the, the way that you're, you know, pulling in funds for Atlas is very similar to your, your overall, you know, your, your market, you know, you're, you're, you're going for, you know, hardworking Americans or just any, right. any hardworking individual and, and you're, you're pulling in, you're saying, we want you to be a part of the company initially. And, and I think everything that you do, everything that comes from the top is really showing at every level, just even from something like the, the crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we, we are customer driven in everything that we do, every decision that we make, every, uh, every piece of technology we put in here, even our own team members are, we're truck owners, we're truck enthusiasts, we're, we're some of us are, some of these people come from that blue collar background, uh, whether it's through family or early jobs they had and things like that. So there's a lot of that sort of uh, culture built within the company. And we love the fact that Atlas being owned by our customer base means we're driven by their needs, their decisions, what they want. We're not driven by maybe external influences that don't align with where the market is going. Our, our, mm -hmm. our investors are the market and that's very empowering for them to drive our decisions. Yeah, very cool. No, so sure. they, they tell you kind of what they want and y'all kind of can provide from that. Yeah, I can give you a, an interesting story. Uh, <laughs> We were doing a design update on the uh, the truck design. We were going through a set of features and things like that. And we use our customer base and our investors to reach back out to them. And it's it's interesting the, the, the amount of candid feedback we get now because they are investors in the company because they'll sure. literally tell you, this is the most ridiculous, dumbest <laughs> idea you could ever have. Like, <laughs> knock it off don't do this. And that's, yeah. that's what that wake up call. You're like, okay, uh, let's, let's not go down that route. Now, how do you guys filter, uh, you know, constructive criticism and, you know, uh, just like, oh, I don't like the design. You know what I mean? So, uh, designs are always very polarizing. Uh, we try not to, we try to focus on the, the, the appeal of that particular design, but we're very much so function driven versus sexy aesthetic design mm -hmm. driven right now. So if we implement a feature, it has to be solving a problem. Okay. And problems are identified not by asking someone, hey, what's your problem? It's identified by talking with the customer base and saying, you know, walk me through your daily life. What do you do? What are the things that you use most often? How do you use those things? And from that, you pull little snippets of problems. Then you go back and verify some of that stuff. Now on the design side, there it's a pickup truck in any automotive market really, but the pickup truck market in particular is incredibly um, polarizing. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And you have to take all of that feedback with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. You may not meet the requirement of everyone. I think we got a good understanding of Regulation A crowdfunding campaign, how it's gonna help out Atlas. Now we wanna get into the, the nitty gritty of Atlas and who you are and you know the, the whole organization. So okay. deep question to start off with is why start Atlas? Uh, so I get that asked uh, a lot, of course, but um, <laughs> I really, I come from a background of building products that make a massive difference in the world. Uh, I cut my teeth in it from a career perspective, building uh, little taser projectiles that are fired out of a 12 gauge shotgun shell. Uh, and that whole mission was to save lives. And uh, after that, I moved into basically all that body cam footage you see today. 
Um, I was leading teams in development of, in a number of those products wow. out there and working with uh, some under some crazy sort of, at the time at least, the technology we were developing in that space was impossible to the standards that others had done. Uh, and we were building out this very controversial product that has basically changed the world. I mean, you cannot argue against that today. Mm. And looking at the time at the automotive industry, it's not so much let's build an electric vehicle and just be another OEM playing in that space. I look at it as electrification allows us to change this market completely. We get to change the ownership experience, how you buy and sell vehicles, how you experience that vehicle throughout perhaps 20 or 30 years. It sounds like so you're trying to solve problems before they become problems. You're getting the solutions ready and, and implementing them before it actually ever comes up and says, oh, here's a problem that needs to be addressed. Right. And I don't. Yeah, I don't want to chase problems. I want to right. find them before they occur. And then just as people come and say, you know, for lack of a better description, hey, here's my problem. Oh, here's your solution. And I think you just nailed our, our second question of uh, what is the main goal to set yourself apart from the wave of competition coming? And it and it kind of sounds like, you know, you're kind of instead of doing, oh, the, this design looks great or this aesthetic looks great, you're going, okay, what are the working men looking for? What utilities do you guys need? And let's fulfill them and then worry about, you know, design later. A am I incorrect on that one or? No, that that is 100% correct. So a lot of people ask us, why don't we have a bunch of full-scale prototypes built out, driving around? Why aren't we, you know, going that route? And what I will say is the underlying technology pieces are what solve those problems. Mm -hmm. The truck itself is actually relatively easy. It's getting that underlying technology to meet those requirements of those uh, blue collar workers and even white collar sort of workers that are out there that own very big, very expensive trucks that use them. Uh, it's, it's focusing on that. And then the truck body and everything else can, can, will come a little bit later, but that's that's the important thing is you have to get that tech right. You have yes, to get totally. that experience right. So with, you know, it is a start, Atlas is a startup company and I know a lot of problems and obstacles can come with that, especially being the CEO of, that com uh, of a startup. So what are some inherent problems that Atlas is having right now? Uh, so- or What are they, what are y'all trying to solve essentially? So, to do an automotive startup, it is a very capital intensive exercise. And if you don't have that capital, we have to find a way to overcome those challenges. That's a, a pretty common, pretty standard sort of obstacle that any startup uh, faces. I would say our biggest obstacle is, yes, that exists, but it's overcoming doubt. So mm. if you're really gonna change the world, if you're gonna push things forward, especially in such a mm -hmm. very traditional, very sort of die-hard, loyal uh, customer base, you're going to be pushing against a lot of doubt in terms of what's possible from an electrification perspective in this particular space, and that is our biggest challenge. What do you think the, the like the threshold for starting to pass up doubt for electric trucking, trucking will be? Like, Is there a set standard in your head that you think, okay, we have to meet this, and then once we meet it, people will, the tides will start to change? So I think uh, if you dig into um, like what incumbents are capable of doing today and like the gas and diesel mm -hmm. world, and it's not 
I'll caveat that. It's not real capabilities. It's perceived capability. That is true. Um, yeah, your, your diesel pickup truck can tow a lot, but it doesn't get 500 miles of range with that standard gas tank when you do mm -hmm. that. It gets cut in half. It really does. Um, right. So what we have to do is, or what you're really facing is that overall experience of heavy loads, whether payload or towing, long distances, fast fill times, right? Mm -hmm. Fill times. Um, right. And that overall sort of experience of this is just super easy for us to accomplish. Uh, that is the challenge that we have today. And that's the doubt you have to overcome is that they don't believe that it's possible to do that with electrification. So we have to prove that. And I'm actually, okay. I was going to say this to later. I'm so intrigued that you, from what I understand, you guys are the first people to really go, okay, we need a dually. We need to be able to gooseneck haul. And yeah. for me, that was like, okay, these guys are serious. They're not trying to do the whole pickup market. Like Rivion and Cybertruck, they're probably great trucks, not going to hate, hate on them. But they're not going for the niche that you guys are doing. Like you're going for the people that are actually trying to get work done. Yeah, I would, uh, I would always, uh, I, I love this statement um, that uh, never chase the competition, right? Choose your own path, carve mm -hmm. your own path. And in my mind, uh, if you're not going for those, that heavy hitter capability, especially in the work segment, mm -hmm. you're going to have a really hard time converting the mass market, the mass majority of pickup truck owners that are out there. And the pickup truck is the pinnacle of the automotive world right mm -hmm. it's not supercars supercars are cool but pickup trucks especially here in america is the sort of the thing right when it comes to vehicles and stuff like that everybody wants a pickup truck most people do but what they want is that capability they don't just want a pickup truck they they want that based on what it can do so we need to deliver what it can do and then pull that market in. We, we heard a little bit about some of the difficulties and, and the hurdles that you're coming through from an outside perspective, which is gaining the, the trust, the respect, you know, from these, these diesel guys and, uh, you know, maybe people that are in love with the, the idea of, you know, I mean, even, even though Tesla's, you know, young, they have a little bit of a history already. So you said like from an outside perspective, it's, it's, it's a little tough now. You have to say, how do we gain the, like you said, the, you know, the, the respect, the, um, the trust. trust yeah the trust is a good way to right. put it yeah. so now from an inside perspective what are some of the hurdles that you have to go through as a startup company or more specifically an electric vehicle startup company uh so we have to eliminate uh tradition where it hinders the ability to uh innovate and, and solve a problem mm -hmm. so uh we bring on people we've got people from tesla byton ford gm chrysler uh faraday future um, a couple of people uh, from outside this industry and one of the largest challenges internally is there is a certain way that this industry is done and if you really want to disrupt the industry you can't just follow that path of innovation you can't mm. say well I'm going to go to a supplier and whatever they tell me is possible is the only thing we can do so let's pay them 12 million dollars to develop something and then give it to me and we'll plug it in it's overcoming that thinking of just this is a supplier heavy dependent sort of a supplier dependent industry it's very expensive oh, and wow. if we can't go that route we need to actually forge our own path and solve these problems mm -hmm. internally and that is not something that in my 
from my observation, is very inherent in the traditional automotive industry. They don't think like that. Now, do you guys plan on making majority of all the parts in-house, or do you guys try to like kind of sift, like, okay, we have we have to get a little bit of suppliers here, but majority you want to keep it in-house, or am I incorrect on that? Uh, um, I would say a majority of the technology we're developing, the core technology is done mm -hmm. in-house. Uh, there are some caveats to that. Uh, we are not going to tackle, uh, I would say, vehicle body uh, structure changes and things like that off the bat. Um, so think like a body in white vehicle body. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, we have a design, but we're looking for, uh, and we're, I, we're looking for in talks with partners to sort of close that gap because mm -hmm. that's not a core thing for us at this point in time. However, uh, the drive systems, the vehicle dynamic side of it, suspension, the frame structure, the frame will be built by someone else, but we're designing in-house. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, components are, are, are manufactured out of house, final assembly is done in-house, gotcha. technology is it's sort of built to print mm -hmm. versus here's a spec sheet, design and build to a spec sheet. Okay, that's fair. So it, yeah. it sounds and, like you're, yeah. you're using a little bit of the, the new innovations aspect of the world, which is build, destroy, build, destroy until you get what you want and merging it a little bit with some of what's worked well with legacy auto, if I understand correctly. Yeah. It, there's some things that it doesn't make sense from a strategy perspective for us to try and reinvent. Yeah. Today. I mean, of course that makes, uh, that makes total sense. Right. And then there are the things that remember, it goes back to that core set of features that you just can't buy. And mm -hmm. therefore in that particular case, we need to tackle that challenge. Now, one big challenge that, you know, for a lot of people that are trying to get into EV trucking is, um, you know, charging, the fast fill-up time, like you, you said earlier. You have been very adamant about bringing f fast, affordable, and easy charging stations along with all your trucks. Um, right. Is this technology that you're building going to be proprietary, meaning that only Atlas trucks can go to your stations? Can other EV yeah. trucks go to it or... No, uh, uh, let me answer that question. Uh, is it proprietary developed in-house? Yes. Uh, is it going to be opened up? Yes. Um, we, uh, we, obviously, we want to own the network and the experience, mm -hmm. uh, but we will basically open that, uh, that technology up for other manufacturers, OEM vendors to say, hey, we, Atlas, you're, you have this 1.5 megawatt station. Mm -hmm. We now have a big truck that could use that. Mm -hmm. Can we plug into it? Yeah, here's the documents, here's the specs, here's the CAD models for the connector, here's the communication protocols, here's how you get it done. Build this, plug in, away you go. That's awesome. Uh, okay. Yeah. A, so a little bit of an nice. off topic, but very similar to the whole charging aspect. Now, I, I've been looking at, uh, I forgot if it's Kettleman City, but one of the Tesla uh, supercharging locations, they're already working on setting up the charging stations for when the Cybertruck comes out. You know, it has to be wider, it has to be a little bit longer. Um, yes. Sometimes I've seen these pictures online of a Model X, you know, whatever it's towing out, you know, a little mobile home on the back or a trailer. And what they end up doing yeah. is they park sideways and they take like eight spots, which when it comes to an electric vehicle setup, like you can't do that. So what, what are you working on ideas already for your charging stations and to make it work with uh, a vehicle that might be towing or, you know, extra large vehicle? Yeah. So I think the pull in and park model has worked great for the small compact cars all the way up to the sort of Tesla Model S, Model X mm -hmm, uh, vehicles, mm -hmm. even Jaguar and Audi's new vehicles, uh, because you typically don't tow. Yeah, but of course, right, when right. we 
Yeah, but when we start thinking about towing vehicles or, or you're hauling something heavy in the back or whatever that is, uh, the pull in and park model doesn't work because of exactly what you just said. Uh, you have to like unhook your trailer, park it in a parking spot, go over and plug in, come back. That's a, it, if you're gonna develop innovation in the world, never add steps to their day or their process. Mm. Right. Uh, don't create complication with innovation. Um, that's, yeah. So our plan is to uh, pass through drive through stations. Uh, we're hoping to bring on, uh, and I say hope because we're in negotiations right now for uh, an individual that has a lot of experience in this space that's going to be coming on board and start uh, working on some of those relationships so we can get out there uh, and in 2021 start deploying stations in uh partnership locations where sort of the drive-through workflow is a, is already established today think fueling stations okay so like uh, traditional fueling stations like, yeah and okay. when you can get the charge time down to 15 minutes that makes a lot more sense because mm -hmm. you just pull in you plug in 15 minutes later you drive you keep driving through it mm -hmm. becomes a much easier thing to implement uh if you're waiting an hour two hours three hours to charge a pull in and park and go do something else makes a lot more sense. Before totally we fair. before we move on to a, a one that's a little bit different than charging, I, there's another uh, question I want to ask specifically on charging. Um, have you looked into how difficult it is to pull the energy from the grid to supply it to the vehicles? I know that's one of the the hurdles that Tesla is going through right now with their V3 supercharging is that sometimes the grid literally just cannot supply. Uh, the power that's needed. So I, I don't know if that's something where you would want batteries on site, especially if it's a yes. you know, location like I'm in New York. So you have the Adirondacks where there's not a ton of infrastructure. Would you right. just put, you know, battery packs on site um, and then, you know, have some method of whether it's renewables or something though to it. Uh, but yeah, how, how do you get that, that amount of, like you said, 1.5 megawatts, how do you ensure that you're able to pull that from the grid or at least get that to the vehicle? Yeah. So initial strategy would be to pull from the grid and deploy in locations where we can do that very quickly. Uh, I'll give you an example here in Mesa uh, with our local utility company, pulling one and a half megawatts is not an issue. Hmm. Um, in fact, when we asked them about it, they said, yeah, we'll get that done in a couple of months. Oh. Um, wow. It was just a very easy thing to do. But when you get to those more remote locations where infrastructure isn't necessarily set up to support such heavy loads, uh, then it becomes an issue. And in those particular locations, uh, it's not finalized yet, but we're working on a concept of, think of it like a dropship container sort of installation method where we drop a container onto a cement pad, we plug into the existing sort of uh, utility supply, whatever that might be. And on that container platform, we offer uh, what I would call buffer battery solutions that would continuously charge at maybe a slower rate uh, yeah, as it's okay. providing energy from there. And then of course we dump energy from the, the large massive battery packs into the vehicle during the charging process. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, how do you guys plan to roll this out? Do you guys plan on starting locally in Arizona and then just work your way out from the States from there? Or like, what's the timeline on your, uh, cause this is no easy task whatsoever. Like what's the timeline that you have before you think of like Texas having Atlas it's right. yeah it's really customer driven so where is our particular customer base where are those initial orders going to be uh in terms of business strategy we are an energy company a platform company and then a vehicle company mm -hmm. so the energy and platform company are the first two sort of pillars that are going to start generating revenue um and by 
pushing the platform out to, uh, we'll call them upfitter companies that are looking for electrification and heavier duty vehicles. We're allowed, that'll give us the opportunity to start building out the charging infrastructure locally within those areas where they operate. Um, and think highway corridors will be the, the primary okay. sort of focus there. Um, so 2021 will be focused on early partner deployments where they're specifically located um, locally within those regions. That allows us to one, uh, facilitate a great customer experience for them, two, uh, test and validate before we try to roll this thing out nationwide and mm -hmm. run into a large number of problems as we've seen with, uh, that it happens with other vendors. Um, and then to facilitate uh, locations where that's not available, uh, integrate with existing charging solutions that are, that are out there. CCS being the most obvious one. Yes, Tesla would be a great thing, uh, but uh, working with Tesla so far has not been the most positive experience. Uh, really? Mostly because, mostly because we we try to contact them, we try to get in touch with them, they don't answer. <laughs> they don't so, respond, do they? Yeah, they don't care. Um, I've so, heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, so that's totally fine. It, you know, you don't want to respond. We'll just push over it and keep moving and right. see you later. But, All you uh, can do. Yeah. I, I think that's the best uh, response because you can move on from there rather than them twiddling their thumbs like, oh, are we going to give it to you or not? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You know, like, okay, they're not going to help us. Let's yeah, keep going. You can't wait around. Yeah. yeah. There's, right. There's no point. So, you know, as the CEO of Atlas, what are some of your own personal immediate and long-term goals with your leadership and or with the company if, if uh, you have any yeah so uh my personal goal and and sort of immediate goals for the company is to continue building the right team uh to accomplish our goals so this is not something i can do by myself uh it's not something that even the current 35 36 person team can really accomplish so uh right now our biggest goals are building the right team so we can execute cleanly, so we can get this stuff done uh, to, to get product to market. That's the most important thing right uh, now. So that's your more of a, a immediate concern or immediate goal? Yeah, my immediate goal is that. And then with that, because we're very much so, uh, how do I put this? When you're doing crowdfunded sort of equity fundraising, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The way to think about this is your product that you're selling, which generates funding coming in, is continuous successful execution of everything that you say you're going to do. So mm -hmm. if we're going to hit $25 million, we need to build the team. We need to continue to execute on those objectives and everything that we say we're going to do, which gives confidence to the market that Atlas mm -hmm. is a great investment, that we're the right company to, to follow and, and get involved with which then allows us to bring in more funding, which allows us to continue to be successful. What does it take to build the right type of team? You know, wh who are you looking for as, as far as like the roles, like the actual jobs that need to, to be created and made? Um, and then what are some of the traits, the you know, personality traits, characteristic traits of the individuals that you're hiring uh, that, that either stand out to you or things that you at least you know, look for in a, in a candidate? Yeah, uh, that's a really great question. Um, there's a, a large number of roles that we're looking for, but I'll, I, you could really summarize them in terms of hardware engineers, uh, mechanical engineers, manufacturing engineers, firmware engineers, software engineers, right? The typical technical mm -hmm. roles mm -hmm. that are out there. Right. Um, we're very much so a, an engineering company, less so a marketing sales company. Um, mm -hmm. 
So we're heavy on the technical side. Now, in terms of skill sets, uh, I mentioned earlier that traditional automotive skill sets, there's a lot of sort of break down the mentality, rebuild it that has to occur to, to do things different. Um, so we don't, we don't technically focus on, uh, I'll, I'll say this, having a degree is nice, but experience matters more. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that uh, if we're looking for people where I can, I could hire you, hire you as a hardware engineer to say work on the uh, what we call a car pie, which is uh, a control module that goes into the body. And if I need you to switch gears and work on the motor controller, I need people that can hmm. jump from one to the other that have never done some this other thing before, but can research it, understand it, learn from it, build it, execute it, and move forward, and not be afraid to fail when they do that. So, right. so I get that this is hard. I get that it's challenging. Don't be afraid to fail. Just be able to overcome that failure and push on. So learn fast and break things. Yeah. Well, not break things, of course, because you got you got a not budget. Sure. You got a budget here, I, but yeah, yeah. yeah I got a limited budget, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but a, a, overall, a jack of all trades. I, I saw one guy on your LinkedIn. Uh, I think it was this James maybe he came directly from Tesla and he, his, his description was like oh uh, he came from Tesla he's he, he was in nuclear at one point I believe and he, he flew helicopters oh, yeah and I was Chris. like that yeah, is yeah. an impressive guy oh yeah yeah Chris Dawson yeah Chris has a lot of valuable experience but what I I love about Chris is when we say hey you know this is how we're thinking about doing this he says okay let's figure out how to do that let's figure out mm -hmm. how to get that done it's not well you know nobody does that so right. maybe we shouldn't that that's a that's a brilliant person to have like in life in general it's just like let's get this done let's let's have fun doing like, it let's 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 find the solution let's um let's be okay with failing like you said how big of an issue do you believe towing and battery life is going to be especially like with gooseneck because you can't i mean from what i know and it's very little about electric towing um adding a trailer kills a model x's battery life you know and i think about in half roughly roughly in half and they're not even doing gooseneck uh towing yeah have yeah, you guys doing heavy towing yeah. yeah have you guys like uh done any calculations that you know give you an idea of like okay this is what about what we're going to get theoretically with you know, gooseneck towing with this type of trailer or whatnot or is that just a calculation you can't make until you have the trailer in front of you and other things right oh uh what i will say is never get into something like this if you haven't done at least some calculations before <laughs> um <laughs> like speaking from personal I, uh, experience or uh yeah uh, <laughs> no i uh man i i spent the first year or so doing technology discovery and understanding the physics limitations and things like that to to make sure we could do this uh, because if there's any little thing in there that uh, that you forget about or that doesn't quite add up, it's going to be a slap in the face down the road. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that, right? We've we've seen that in this industry where promises are made and then you can't deliver because really you didn't understand the physics of the problem in the first place. So to answer your question about towing and when we start thinking about what I call real tow towing mm -hmm. loads, right? So um, up to 35,000 pounds, 
yes, you're you're going to start with a range, right, a mileage, yeah. uh, say 500 miles, and that mileage is going to drop as that payload and, Gets and heavier. drag coefficient right. goes up, right, and your rolling resistance goes up. All of those those things affect it. And that comes down to, okay, what's what's an existing experience today with like a gas or diesel truck? Okay, mm -hmm. back up. How do we meet that? And I don't know if you guys can see me, but I'm making a bunch of hand motions. Oh yeah, but, that's uh, the best way to talk. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, you you sort of, you, you start there and you say, okay, back up. How do we step through this to get there? What are the trade-offs that we make to get there? Okay, can we do this? Is it a, a possible? And the biggest thing that comes up is, okay, we start at, let's say we'll pick an easy number, 500 miles of range. We mm -hmm. start at 500 miles, we fully load this thing, and all of a sudden we're only getting 150 miles or 140 miles of range at that like 35,000 pound mm -hmm. uh, uh, payload. Well, we can tow 35,000 pounds, but you can only do that for a couple of hours, right, driving down the yeah, road before you have to plug in and fill up. Believe it or not, that is not much different than your experience in a pickup truck today. Really? Uh, yeah, but the challenge is when that happens in a pickup truck today is you go and you you fill it up at the gas station or with you know mm -hmm. diesel fuel, it only takes maybe ten minutes at the most. Um, I was going to ask you, a full a full diesel tank. How long would that roughly take to fill up on a on a pickup truck? Uh, it takes about five minutes to fill it up on like a standard 33 gallon tank roughly. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole experience can be about 10 minutes, right? Okay. There's a, mm -hmm. you know, pulling in, parking, getting out, doing all stuff. Maybe you go yes. and grab something, all that. So let's say 10 minutes. So how close can we get to that? And today mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to do that and then say, well, drive for two hours, park for two hours. Oh yeah, of course. And it's it's very inefficient for it, sure. And the right. technology you guys have developed, a 15-minute charge time, uh, is a fantastic. And I think I was talking to uh, Carol the other day, and she said that you guys... Corral. Uh, Corral. I was Corral. saying it right, Stephen. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. He kept making fun of me. He kept making fun of me. It's like, Corral? Uh, but anyway, Corral, I apologize. Um, you guys reached in-house uh, nine minutes. Is that true? Yeah, nine minutes twenty six seconds is the fastest uh, time we've achieved in house uh, with basically um, using a bunch of off the shelf components to prove that the technology, the concept, and the solution mm -hmm. works. Can you, can you tell um, us what the battery pack size is on that, or is that um, undercover? It no no. Um, it's a small battery pack because we're doing it in a lab environment, of course. Uh, not necessarily a large environment. Um, now, mm -hmm. pack size, I will say, doesn't necessarily matter. It does matter, but uh, and I, if I can quickly explain why it doesn't sure. matter, please do. Is, I was going to say that I'm really yeah, fascinated. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So no matter how big the pack is, you can only pump so much energy into each cell. Mm -hmm. So gotcha. it doesn't matter if it's a 100-kilowatt-hour pack, a 1-kilowatt-hour pack, or a 0.1-kilowatt-hour pack. Uh, each cell can only accept so much energy at such a rate. Mm -hmm. uh, so as, the, as you go from like a single cell to a big 250-kilowatt-hour pack, uh, if the single cell can only charge in an hour, 250-kilowatt-hour pack can only charge in an hour, doesn't matter if you have a megawatt station there. It gotcha. nothing so changes. It's not. It's not just the amount of energy that you're throwing at it. It's 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 all ratioed in a sense. Right now, where a larger pack becomes an issue is on thermal management. So, um, right. 
what, what you truly have to do is you need to get the cell, each individual cell's impedance or resistance down as low as you possibly can, much low, like a tenth of what you see today, in order to minimize the amount of heat that is generated while you're doing this. Okay. Um, so that is actually the larger challenge, and that is part of the uh, proprietary sort of cell technology that we're developing today. That was that's actually a fundamental thing that we started with was thermal management. Interesting. Uh, so that's where going from one cell to a big pack matters. What kind of image are you trying to build of Atlas, and like kind of what what type of barriers are you guys trying to break in regards to that? We want Atlas to be this like sort of visionary company of when you think, Hey, I need a vehicle that like does all these incredible things like towing and, and can be beat on and it's very durable, mm -hmm. right? We want to become that sort of flagship company or that image of what that truly means. So when people think, man, I want to like, I want to tow, I want to haul, I want to throw mm -hmm. wood in the back of this thing, throw block in there, dirt in there. I want to go off road, maybe use this in like, uh, you know, various different industries yeah. out there. We want people to think Atlas sets the bar in terms of that capability when it comes to electric vehicles in the future of what this sort of environment or this ecosystem looks like. So where, where Rivian's yeah. going for that, you know, Range Rover kind of hyper luxury, Tesla's going for futuristic. Still, I mean, you know, what they got going on with the, the, the steel is very impressive as far as toughness. But where right. your your appeal is the the hardworking everyday go getter problem like functionality yeah. and I mean even, even though yeah. even though the body and the design looks beautiful it does like yeah. y'all's primary goal is in turn this truck needs to be able to provide a job and you know provide work you know do work for people uh, it's it's funny because whenever the Cybertruck came out. Uh, obviously, I mean, you guys are EV startup, and every EV startup, sadly, is compared to Tesla. Um, whenever the Cybertruck came out, I was like, ah, I'm not sure how I feel, feel about it. It kind of grew on me. But my blue-collar uncle that does a lot of hauling, towing, and he's a diesel mechanic, he was like, yeah, man, I don't want to look like a douche driving down the street. <laughs> well, what, you guys have a thing on your Instagram. I think it's, uh, I need a workhorse, not a show pony. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's a quote from one of our investors. That's funny. Yeah. I, like that. I like that quote yeah. a lot. <laughs> right now, me and my dad are rebuilding a 53 Chevy in our uh, garage. And it's a beautiful truck. And it, it's got a nice V8 in it. But I was it, it brought to me, you know, you guys are building this XP platform uh, technology, right. right? And I saw that you guys were offering it to OEM manufacturers, you know. But it really got me thinking, you know, what's the you know, price point that you guys want to hit for the skateboard technology. So uh, an independent guy like me and my dad can, you know, bring this skateboard into the garage, put that body or chassis, if that's even possible, on our 53 Chevy and have a fully electric badass truck. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I mean, I would love to be the, the company that, like, makes that possible, right? That sort of, I, I think that classic, vehicles in general they have to live forever mm -hmm. in some way shape or form that industry that's a that's a culture right that's a community that's an industry that is that is awesome and amazing and somehow we need to be able to make sure that that lives forever 
And I would love to be the company that brings solutions to that particular industry that allows them to sort of transition from, yeah, everybody loves their old gas V8 engines and, and the, you know, the, the sound that the exhaust makes and stuff like oh, that. It's beautiful. But it's beautiful. You can't replace it. You can't until you sit in an electric vehicle and you feel how hard that thing pushes you back in the seat. Oh yeah. Um, and that's a totally different experience. It's mm -hmm, this, mm -hmm. it's this introduction of like this new beautiful thing mm -hmm. and being able to provide that. Now, our ultimate goal, our ultimate goal is to uh, get a, what I would call a 300 mile range capable uh, platform in the 27 K range. Uh, That's in cheap. terms of like basically oh, for, complete for the build. platform for the platform itself. Yeah. And that would okay. come with the, the steering system, which is steer mm -hmm. by wire, the pedal assemblies, which all is brake by wire, steer by wire or brake by wire and all that. Uh, that would come with basically the, the dash and infotainment screen system. So you can implement that into whatever vehicle it is that you're building. And basically gotcha. you have a running driving solution. What do you think the biggest, uh, you know, hurdle for making that XP platform, you know, available for like trucks and cars for like classic. Um, so, well, the biggest, the most obvious hurdle is that it may not fit every chassis mm -hmm. configuration and setup. So in which case we're looking at, can we, it is broken up into modules. It's a yeah. drive suspension steering sub module. That's identical front and rear. It's a battery pack module. Uh, and then you have the steering controls and everything else. So is it possible for us to supply either a platform or a set of modules that you can then fabricate the integration with into those vehicles to be able to facilitate that. It's that, it's that integration with things that are non-standard with something that is standard that I think is like mm -hmm. the biggest challenge. But we've talked to some of the hot rod shops and some of the fabrication shops that are local here. Uh, we've got another one in California that's very interested in what we're doing. And they love this idea that they can plug in and very easily build a, a custom electric badass vehicle for a customer mm -hmm. uh and it's electrified and very simple and very straightforward for them yeah because that's what we're looking for in our truck is just burn rubber that's basically it you know i mean it's not right. not great for the environment but it's you know it's just super fun it doesn't matter it's fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, but look the plus side about atlas is that it is good better for the environment yeah it Part of the mission is if if we can show what's possible in a work vehicle and then we can provide that technology to some of those segments of the market that is really it's its foundation is in the diehard history of like the automotive mm -hmm. world and bring those two together on the work side. If you can demonstrate high towing capability, long ranges, faster charge times, that's what everybody wants. Right. Mm -hmm. And well, they'll never look back at their diesel truck. That it would be ridiculous to look back and say, man, that thing was awesome. It can kick my electric vehicles. But oh, yeah, in no, this case, yeah. no, but the moment you make that shift, they'll never look back and it'll they'll be pulled across faster and faster and faster and faster. I've, but you I've have added, to be open. Yeah. I've, I've asked right, some of my exactly. buddies who, who own either diesel or gas, you know, pickup trucks, uh, Dodge, Ford, whatever it might be. And, you know, the question is, would you get an electric pickup truck? You know, you know, it basically looks just like yours, but it's electric. Would you get it? And they said, if, if it could do everything that mine can do today, and if it can excel in certain ways that are better, then I'd, I'd consider it. And I, I think especially when you, when, you, when you factor in the cost of fuel into a truck, that's something that could be, 
you know, an absolute, okay, this just makes sense for us. So I will tell you that a reasonable person will say that the cost of fuel is a big driver and whether or not they buy a pickup truck. And then you have me. And when I bought my last, like I bought the pickup truck I own today when gas was $4 and 35 cents a gallon and I never <laughs> flinched once I when I was flinched. filling it up. <laughs> uh, and I can tell you that. What do you it, drive by while the way? It, it doesn't, I drive a, uh, it's a 2013 GMC uh, Sierra with the 6.6 .6 liter Duramax in it. Oh, that's um, nice. I will tell you that sometimes reason does not play a role in your decision making, <laughs> uh, particularly in the truck world. <laughs> um, but for for fleet operators and corporations and people that use their vehicle for work, mm. it very much so does. If you could spend, okay. if you own a fleet of say 20 trucks and you could spend a quarter of what you spend every year in fuel, they will run after that. They will oh, chase yeah. after that. Same thing, you think the same carries over for municipalities, for government, um, saying, oh, bottom dollar, this just makes sense. Like, why, yeah, I was gonna ask about yeah, like maybe anyway, military. Yeah, the military is looking at it. The military is a very long lead time. Right, right, of course, uh, naturally. But uh, uh, for municipalities, those decisions are made mostly based on cost and whether or not you can cost versus the bare minimum to meet the requirement. Mm. What Atlas technology will transform, you know, the electric truck or the electric vehicle industry? Yeah, I think the initial sort of technology that we're launching is centered around the most obvious thing, which is the battery technology mm -hmm. and being able to accommodate that very similar experience of long range, heavy towing, very fast charge times that's similar to long range, heavy towing, real fast fill up time. Mm -hmm. And that's... that is that sort of, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of what I call a sexy, cool thing that everyone's like, yeah, that's, you know, yay, that's what I was looking right. for. <laughs> um, where, where I see Atlas, because I don't view us as a uh, automotive OEM company that's just selling trucks, mm -hmm. it's how we're going to, the long-term sort of advantage or approach is how we're bringing different technology solutions together to actually create a to become a solutions provider not okay. just a give you a vehicle provider but mm -hmm. how can we leverage this technology to uh, provide you with multiple different vehicles for the different applications you have in your place of work or a solution you need how can we become a platform and ecosystem provider for vocational vehicles cement trucks dump trucks box trucks like all mm -hmm. that stuff and how do we accelerate that and bring it into this ecosystem so it's a very seamless operation what's your uh opinion on hydrogen fuel cells being in you know the heavier duty uh you know like like you said the dump trucks pickup trucks stuff i mean not pickup trucks but uh dump trucks cement trucks stuff like that 18 wheelers Semi -truck, yeah mm -hmm. what are your um, ideas I in so i don't think companies you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, there's a lot of companies doing it. So um, I think that uh, I don't think hydrogen is a smart approach to that. Like, I don't know. It's a it's a perceived immediate benefit to a technology or problem, particularly around batteries and charge time that I think in the next 10 years is going to advance so much that it's going to make investments in hydrogen obsolete. Yeah. So. Um, 
basically hydrogen is more complex, less efficient, higher cost versus take all of that investment, put it into battery technology, put it into vehicle architecture and solutions. Mm -hmm. And this sort of BEV path will accelerate much faster than yeah, this hydrogen, hydrogen path can. Yeah, right. um, yeah. and basically it's going to pass it. I would actually, I would predict in the next five years, it's going to pass it. I would say with the technology that we're developing at Atlas, it makes the argument of fast fill up times obsolete. So mm -hmm. the only other thing you have left is longer range and that's coming. Hmm. Um, I, th I think a lot of people, like a lot of people that are not a, a, a into EVs, they're like, oh, I'm gonna go hydrogen because it's that like immediate, like it, it battery technology hasn't caught up to it yet, but like a lot of people don't recognize that you're going to have to charge the battery and also fill up with hydrogen at the same time. And I don't think people understand that with hydrogen technology. Yeah. I won't name names, but I will I say I think we all that, know who we're talking um, about. <laughs> this idea that uh, you get 300 miles of range with a battery and then you add another 300 with a hydrogen system and somehow you're going to fill that up with hydrogen in 15 minutes or less, and that's going to cover all 600 miles of range. That, to me, in the way that's described, doesn't make sense. A serial hybrid system doesn't work that way. No. Um, if, if the battery's dead and the tank's empty, you could fill the tank up, but it still has to charge the battery. So it's really 15 plus however long this takes. Yeah. Um, whereas, and then there's all that complexity that's there. And that's applicable to even uh, internal combustion serial hybrid vehicle. Um, why do that if the, if the battery's dead, if the battery's small? Yeah. yeah, and it's it's just inefficiency, 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 inefficiency. Mm -hmm. Put your money into this to deliver that experience. If you don't believe it can be done, then find someone that can, can like, come up with a solution that can do it. What does it take to successfully lead a team, especially one that has uh, a task so challenging as yours? You know, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I could answer that question and say like I've done anything successful in like doing that. I would say that um, as a CEO and, and a founder of a company like this, it's crazy important that the team understands that as any leader in any company, you have their back, that you're trying to drive things forward, that you're gonna take care of the team because they are going to do some things that are very hard, very challenging. There are gonna be some ups and downs and you can't have that like baseline negativity just continue to follow that path. You have to be positive when for like, I'm gonna swear a little bit, I guess, but this when shit fine. goes wrong, yeah, when shit goes wrong, um, you can't stop. You can't just be like, oh, that's it guys, we're done. Right. Um, you have to just be like, okay, that went wrong. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's move past this. Let's so, push forward. Let's keep going. So but morale and moving resiliency. Forward. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Morale, resiliency, and also making sure that no one is blocked. Mm. So if somebody, like if somebody's hit a wall, your job is to help them push through that wall. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And that will inherently happen with the smartest, most brilliant people in the world. They will all, everyone hits that wall at some mm -hmm. point. And you just have to be that person that's standing next to them when they're beating on that thing with their fist. And if you have to step in and do that yourself, right? Take that beating for a little while and then sort of trade back and forth. That's the best analogy I can say is just, that's the best leaders are the ones that sort of help people push through. 
Um, but I will say that uh, I'm just the CEO and founder of Atlas Motor Vehicles. I am not Atlas Motor Vehicles. Atlas Motor Vehicles is our team. Atlas Motor Vehicles is our customer base, right? The, the mm -hmm. people that we're building this product for, it's that community that's there. Um, so we will forever be successful uh, as long as that team sort of continues to move forward and, and continues to either support us from the outside or on the inside, uh, continues to execute. Uh, I got a question. When can we start to, you know, visit the factory and see, you know, the truck that, you know, you're building? Yeah, so um, I would say that uh, anybody who's interested to, to come by and, and visit the factory, we do ask that people sign NDAs, but um, you're, you're more than welcome to, like, if, if we can find time for you to come by and chat with us, we'll, you know, we'd make time. We've had quite a few people come by. So, sir, there's um, not like a, on, you know, a 2020, August of 2020, we'll have an unveiling of, it's, hey, you want to come by, see the updates, see the progress, come, come by next week? It's really hard to keep a secret when we keep posting everything on social media. <laughs> so um, that is true. <laughs> the other day, I was uh, looking at highlights for the Baja 500, and I was looking at the prototype and then the trophy trucks that that race on the Baja. Do right. you think you would ever be? Do you think you know one of your down the road goals would be to build a kick ass? Baja 500 electric truck to compete and show up all those different trucks or is that just not that's, even a thought? No, I mean, that's how you do it, right? That's mm -hmm. how you, you go out there and say, we are better. Mm -hmm. It's you tow more, you haul more, you race faster. Uh, I want to do King of Hammers personally. I've um, never heard of that. What is that? That's what like is that? that? What's King of Hammers? Oh, you guys got to look that up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> think of it like Baja plus rock crawling plus um, it's an intensely abusive. Is that, is that out in Arizona? Race. No, it's uh, it's. Oh, where's that at? I want to say it's like Utah or something like that. California, actually. Um, okay. And uh, look it up. It's crazy. I'm looking uh, at it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and that's honestly that's what I would love to do. Where can our listeners find out more about your work, Atlas's work, or is there any social medias? I mean, obviously you've got the Instagram. Um, is there any important events that you would like to promote as well? Uh, the, the biggest thing that we uh, talk about right now is, of course, the Reg A campaign, fundraising. We can't grow the team. We can't make progress, right? We can't move things forward until we, we raise that $25 million. So okay. uh, get on the website, uh, you know, uh, www.atlasmotorvehicles.com, or sorry, invest.atlasmotorvehicles.com. Uh, you know, check out the offering. This is an opportunity to get in very early on with the company and we, uh, you know, be a part of something big, be a part of something great. We're going to change the world and we want people to, to go along with us and be successful as we're successful. Thank you, Mark, so much for coming on and everybody listening at home on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for watching. It's been a brilliant time. Go out there and have a brilliant week. Uh, it's been great talking to you guys.